Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. This morning, Saints of the Most High, the title of my message is The Truth in Love. Glory to God. We're going to be reading from Romans the book of Romans chapter 13 and we're going to read verses 8 through 14 this morning if you have it say amen amen and the word of the Lord says owe no one anything except to love one another for he who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Hallelujah. Saints of God, you may take your seats this blessed morning. Let's talk a little bit about the word love. Hallelujah. Love. What exactly is love? Do we really understand? Do we really know what love is? I I would say so many misunderstand what true love genuinely is. With the aftermath of so much ungodly demonic rulings in our nation, it seems that the word love is always under assault. Our nation is trying with rapid progression to redefine the word love. Now love is, can mean anything at this point. I think one of the greatest reasons that the world is trying to redescribe, redefine love is because the whole world knows that God is love. And if they could try to defile that, they think they're winning. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Praise God. Many of our lawmakers do not know the love of God. 
In fact, I would say many of them don't even know God himself. Anyone who doesn't see love the way that they do is now labeled intolerant, bigoted, hate-filled, inciting riots, and all the other stuff that we see in our society. Think about this. Today's definition of love, there's no limits. Now you can be polygamous. That is a form of love. You could be into bestiality. You could love your cat, love your dog. There are people marrying their pets. It's disgusting. There's incest all over the place. Pedophilia. There's a whole big pedophilia ring. Many of you have seen the movie Sound of Freedom. If not, I highly recommend that you go and take some friends with you. This is a great evil in our land, a great time of evil, pure evil. And many of us uh, are told, just accept it. It's a different type of love. The pedophiles now want to redefine their title, and they want to call themselves MAPS, Minor Attracted Person Syndrome. That, that puts a nice little happy sticker on the evil, wicked, defiling sin. And then they say, you know, listen, you don't have to like it, but don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Well, guess what? He will. And what are you going to do then? Praise the Lord. We are now seeing consequences of seeing love the way that the world sees love. And now companies are starting to understand that they're wrong, dead wrong. I like to use the term, go woke and you go broke. Hallelujah. Let me give you some stats. Bud Light, the Anheuser-Busch company, has already lost over 27 billion with a B, billion dollars because they went woke and they're still not apologizing for what they have done they basically if you don't know what they did they put a transvestite a trans person on their beer can and now you got people with machine guns using those cans as target practice you got target who's not only gone woke but gone satanic Literally selling clothes with pentagrams and Baphomet and, and Horace and everything else. Disney, they've, uh, Target lost 19 billion, by the way, 19 billion. And what did they do? They didn't just remove it, they just took the display and put it in the back of the store. They didn't remove anything. They still have the tucket clothing and the binding clothing and all the other stuff so that it continues to promote this wicked ideology. Disney, They've lost over $7 billion. Netflix, Comcast, Hollywood is now Holly woke. All of these combined have lost a total of $542 billion. Billion with a B. This is some serious cash. What does that say? That America is fed up. We're tired of it. We're the laughing stock of the world. And we're tolerating stuff because people simply want to refuse the love of God and try to impose on everybody else what their definition of love should be. And I say no more. Hallelujah. No matter what they do to try to push, true love only comes from God. Hallelujah. Love is 
action. It is a verb. Love gives. I love this quote. I've said it a million times in this church. It's from Dr. Ed Cole. Love is the desire to benefit others at the expense of self because love desires to give. Hallelujah. So when your honey boo-boo is saying, baby, baby, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Let's get together. Let's go to the motel. Really, bro? If you love me, you'll wait. Hallelujah. If you love me, we'll plan for a future together. If you love me, we'll get married. We'll have a base. We'll have a focus. We'll hear from God. We'll pray together. We'll worship God together. We'll live. We'll set a prime example for my children. Bro, you want to get with me? You don't even know the Ten Commandments. Like, what kind of man are you? You love me? You don't even have a job. You live with your mother. You're so busy playing Xbox and eating Wheaties and Cheerios and getting the high score on Zelda. But you want to marry me? You want to get together with me? You understand? Am I, am I speaking to anybody here? These young men today, they're missing the mark. It's okay. You want to play Xbox? Praise God. Plan for it, brother. Right? Get your, get your stuff, get your college done, get your work done, go to work, get a job, take a shower, make sure the kids are in bed, make sure you got some free time, and make sure your wife doesn't need your help. Honey, you good? We good? I got an hour? Chill? Peace? Yeah. Okay, then I could go in and start shooting, you know, little aliens from space. I'm serious. Praise God. The other moral opposite of love is lust. Lust is the desire to benefit self at the expense of others because lust desires to get. So when you're saying, come on, baby, let me get some, let me get some, that's selfish. It's all about you. And, and all you want is what you could get. Give me, give me, give me, give me. That's not love. That's lust. And let me just say this too. You can lust your husband and you can lust your wife. People think, oh, well, because we're married, there's no more such thing as lust. No, you can lust each other. If you're selfish with one another, you're lusting each other. Love is a giving thing. Love wants to outdo each other. Oh, you want to bless me? Oh, wait till I, ooh, wait, I got something even better. We're always trying to one-up each other, right? Love is serving. Love is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave himself for the entire world because of his great love. Turn your neighbor and say, God is love. Hallelujah. Don't ever forget that. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners... Christ died for us. That means nothing that you have done has shocked God so much that you have lost your ability to be reconciled back to the Father. God is not scared of your sin. You haven't gone that far that he can't be uh, reached. Hallelujah. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. I had a young man uh, uh, recently say, uh, I think, you know, there's a contradiction in the Bible because 
The Bible says Jesus hung on a tree. And they were thinking that he had had a noose. And we got it all wrong. The cross is really an invalid symbol. So, so you understand, sometimes we've got to understand what we're reading, the word. He hung on a tree, meaning he was nailed to a cross. A cross is made of wood. Wood comes from a tree. Amen? Praise God. Sometimes it's just uh, one of those things. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.19. It says, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Glory to God. Listen, this is the greatest news ever in the history of the world. That means that we were born in sin. We were born completely lost, hopeless, destined for hell, destined for eternity away from God. But because God loved you so much, he sent his son in your place as an exchange so that you wouldn't have to die an eternity, the second death, away from God. He gave up his only son. My son preached a couple weeks back that it pleased, God said he was pleased to crush his son because he knew that by crushing his son, he was going to save the entire world. Anyone that calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. That is some good news right there. If you would have known me 25, 30 years ago, you probably wouldn't be my friend right now. You probably would not like me. Hallelujah. I had a whole lot of issues, but it's the transcendent glory of God that changed my life, who made me the man that I am, the father that I am. We've made a lot of mistakes, every one of us here. This is a room full of mistakes. Glory to God. But because of the love of God, we're justified. Because of the love of God, we're redeemed. Because of the love of God, we're covered by his blood. Because of the love of God, you could walk into the very presence of God and stand there. He's going to look at you and say, well done, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. Do you know why? Because of the blood of Jesus that covers over you. And he's looking at the precious shed blood of his son. God has such a holy and righteous standard. And we know, he knows that we could never reach that standard. Not ever on his own. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He knew we couldn't do it. Some of us think we're so holy, 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 holier than thou. That, that our, our poopy doesn't stink. Turn your neighbor and say, get it together. It stinks, Papa. Hallelujah. That's one thing we all share. Four. But only through Christ Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's only through Jesus Christ. No other made a way. The devil has no plan for you. His plan is destruction and, and total separation from God. Jesus has a plan. He made a plan. It's because of his love. No other made a way. We could accept the gift of his true love and live for him the way he designed us to live for him. 
And then we'll have the greatest fulfillment, the greatest contentment, the greatest peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. You'll know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There will be a book of remembrance, a book of tears. Every one of your tears is caught in a jar. God is a wonderful, loving God. He created us to have fellowship with Him. But he's not going to force himself on you. He wants to give you his love. As a matter of fact, he's already given it. Many of us haven't been able to fully receive it. God's love for you is eternal. From everlasting to everlasting. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus loved you so much. This is my third bottle of water. I thank you so much. I got three of them. Praise God. And I love water. Amen. Praise God. I feel the love. I feel the love. I will take a sip. How about that? Praise God. Thank you, my beautiful sister. Mm-mm. That's perfect because God loves us so much that he will never lie to you. Amen. I want you to hear this. He will never, ever lie to you. Some of us would prefer a lie because we don't want to hear the truth. Some people leave church because they hear the truth. And the truth looks at them in the mirror. And, and we see it like a mirror, but we say, oh, my God, that hurts. I'm never going back there again. You understand? I'll get there. Praise God. God loves you enough to tell you, listen, there's no way to get to heaven. If I kick Satan out of heaven for the, for the sin of pride, there's no way I'm going to let pride back in there. So we got to get over ourselves. Hallelujah. Stop thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And there's a whole list of stuff we're going to talk about today. We can only go through Jesus. He is the gate. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, the life. To ignore this fact is to deny the truth. To reject it is to deny and reject your own destiny. I get so sick and tired when I see these TV preachers and they say, listen, you got to be, you got to be uh, uh, sure about this. Are you telling us that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And then we hear stuff like the Joel Osteen. I'm going to say it because I ain't scared of nobody today. Praise God. He says, well, well, yes, you know, Jesus, I believe he is the way to heaven, but there are many paths to Jesus. Lie. Hallelujah. That is a direct quote. There are many paths to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way. What a compromising, spineless, jellyfish, gutless, uh, 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 weak, I don't even know any more adjectives. It's cowardice. Beta. Beta, pastor. Listen, there's people dying. There's people going to hell. Why is it that we're afraid to tell the truth, especially a life-changing truth, as if you don't go to Jesus, there's no hope for you. When people die, they don't get angel wings. They don't become angels. 
It's foolish behavior, foolish thinking. It's not anywhere in Scripture. If you die outside of Christ, you are lost forever and ever and ever. The Bible calls it the second death. It's bad enough to die in the physical. You don't want to die in the spirit. Your spirit is dead. When it's born again, it comes to life and it never dies ever again. You want to live forever in the glory of God. You know what's beautiful? Listen, when you get saved, there are many Christians that get saved and simply refuse to grow up. The Peter Pan Christians. I don't want to grow up. Right? They want to live in Never Never Land. They want to be the Peter Pan Christians. The Toys R Us Christians. But even the Toys R Us Christians are saved and sanctified and justified. And they're going to glory. They're no less saved than you or I. But they're always in trouble. They're always whining. They're always pouting. They're always offended. They're always hurt. They're always wounded. Why? Because they refuse to grow up in the things of God. But even still, God doesn't want them to perish either. The fact that they receive the blood of Jesus, they're going to glory. Hallelujah. But these are the very ones that they try to get their, their club action. And inside their brain, they're like, what are you doing here? The Spirit of God say, you know you don't belong here. You know you can't party today. You know, where are, why aren't you? It's Saturday night. You got church tomorrow. What were you thinking? And they're with their girlfriends going, girl, what's up? On Instagram. Yo. Instagram with an umbrella and everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God there was an Instagram when I was a, a BC. Hallelujah. It have been all over. It's, I'd be, the, people would be going through the archives. Say, I remember when pastor was this. I got pictures, yo. I post them. I was out there. Praise God. I got, a, I got volumes, photo album, volumes. The other day we were watching a, a family video. I had cigarette in my mouth and beer in my hand. All this. I was like, oh, God, what an idiot. I praise God. He saved me from me, from my own stupid self. God saved me from myself. I don't need no help to jack myself up. I don't need no help. That was automatic. Autopilot. Shame on me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So many Christians. We forget. Remember, Satan kicked out of heaven. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Do you think that if God cast him out, that he's going to allow any type of sin back in? Of course not. And this is the most loving truth that Jesus could tell us, that we have to go through him. We have to receive the atonement, the sacrifice, the blood. It's the atoning blood of Jesus that allows us access, entry into the very throne room of God.
There's no other way. That is the truth spoken in love. And that is love to tell you that truth. Love is more than sexual behavior. Love is a multifaceted diamond. The Greeks have several words. They have agape, which is the love for God. They have eros. We know that. That's the love between a man and a woman, not a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or a woman and a cat, and a dog and a man. It's none of that. That's perversion. That's not love. That's perversion. Matter of fact, the Bible calls that abomination. Can I continue? Hallelujah. They also have another word, phileo, or phileo, sometimes spelled with an E-O. That's the brotherly love. Philadelphia was named after that word. The city of Philadelphia is the brotherly love or the friendship love. Then you have storge, and that's the love between a parent and a child. There are different types of love. That is a fact. But love, all love, is a verb. All love is an action. It's a giving thing. And it is also a choice. We choose to love one another. God calls us to love one another. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Praise God. True love is predicated on truth. Love is predicated on truth. You would never lie to yourself, would you? But some people do. The worst thing you could do is lie to yourself. Sometimes people lie so much that we start to believe our own lie. And we call it truth when we know it's a lie. We birthed it in our heart. The Bible says those that lie run with their father. John 8, 44, um, who's that? The devil. The devil's the father of lies. They were birthed in his heart. Do you know that it takes more creative energy to lie than it is to tell the truth? And more importantly, you need a memory like gold. You need an elephant memory. You need a memory like an elephant. Hallelujah. And the women, believe me, they got this. That's why men, you got to have a journal. You got to keep a note index. I was here January 21st at 5.30 o'clock. My boy, I told my boy Rudy, yo, cover for me, bro. You know, I told this. We have a whole log, chronological order. I was here, I was there, I drove this many miles. I went to this town, that town. I said I did this, I said I did that. But see, women, they got a game a lot deeper than us. Because they catch you when you're in your underwears and you're in your t-shirt at home. They say, oh, by the way, where did you go uh, last year, December 29th? And you're like, oh, uh, man, I, I can't remember that far. Hold up, hold up, let me get my phone. Nah, nah, your phone, I packed it up in the safe, Papa. You understand? Why not just tell the truth? If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember a lie. Sometimes people lie just to lie. Wow, what a beautiful day it is. Oh, look at that orange color up there. You see that? And there ain't nothing up there. You just, you can't stop lying. But here's another thing. When people lie to themselves, they also lie about God. There are so many that make an idol out of Father God in heaven. 
They break the very second commandment, which says we should not make ourselves any graven images. But what we do is we make up for ourselves a version of God that is not found in Scripture. Would you like an example? My God is okay with me living with my girlfriend. Because after all, we're going to get married anyway. Uh-oh, I just offended half of the sanctuary. Hallelujah. My God is okay with me getting high because he made weed, didn't he? Didn't he make weed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he also made hemlock. And if you smoke it, you die. Yeah, check this out. I have mushrooms on my hibiscus plant. They grew up, they were pretty, they were big. I said, ooh, I'm going to make me some omelet. I'm going to make an omelet with some mushrooms. And I said, wait a minute, let me do some research. Hallelujah. I found out that what I saw, and was a beautiful mushroom, it looked beautiful, big. And what it was called, it was called a fool's flower head. Fool flower head. And it's the most deadly poisonous mushroom. Can you imagine your pastor died and said, what killed him? Homeboy ate a mushroom. He put a mushroom in his omelet. What, what kind of moron thing did, what, to die over some mushrooms? My people perish for lack of knowledge, right? Sin promises to serve and please, but it will only enslave and dominate. All sin appears to be pleasurable at first. Otherwise, we won't do it. But in the end, it will bite like a viper. It'll poison you. It'll sink the teeth in you, and you'll be dead. Nothing ever built on a lie will stand. It will always come to great ruin. So if we are to love and love is to be true, we must always abide in the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. One small problem is that truth does offend. Let me give you some scripture. Proverbs 18 verse 19, it says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. People that are offended are the most difficult people to make peace with. Because they will ghost you. They won't talk to you. You could even call them. They're just going to go to voicemail. And you can leave your heartfelt plea. And they still ain't going to listen to you. They're going to ghost you. Why? Because they're offended. I looked up the word. We had a conversation, if it's all right, to share. Brother Manny and I, he was looking at the word offense and offended. And there's so many derivatives of this word. But one thing he said, which blew me away, was that offense is literally a choice. You can only be offended if you accept and choose the offense. That blew me away. Yeah, there's other definitions, but the reality is, if you don't choose to take the bait, you won't be offended. But so many people got like turkey dinner. They take the bait and they eat it and they become offended. And this is why we have so many recycled Christians 
in the body of Christ. And the church is full. It looks full. Hallelujah. The church is growing. No, it ain't. It's just recycled. Because you got one Christian hurt from this church that went to that church that went to this church that comes to this church. And all we're doing, recycling. The body of Christ grows by zero. One offended Christian going to another church. Oh, and guess what? They bring their offense with them. You couldn't learn the lesson with your old pastor. So you bring your offense here and start getting offended with a new pastor. And then you will ultimately leave this place and go somewhere else and jack up another pastor. Offended means resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Listen, key word, perceived insult. That means the truth may have been spoken in the greatest love, but because you were too difficult or too convicted by the Spirit of God to receive it, you took the bait of Satan and chose offense instead of repentance or conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. It's getting hot in here. Is that is it me or the ACs? I, I don't know. I don't know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan, his biggest trick. We did a whole study on this called the bait of Satan. The biggest trick of the devil is the bait of offense. A scandalon. The word scandalon, it means a trap. You ever see those big bear traps? That they put in the forest to try to catch animals. So many of us are standing on top of a scandalon. And the greatest trap of the enemy is the bait of offense. It's an evil. Jesus said in Matthew 24.10. And then many will be offended. He's talking about the last days. The days we're in now. Many will be offended. And will betray one another. And even hate one another too many christians choose to be offended man hallelujah they choose offense and because of their offense they've also chosen to be rough and tough and unloving towards others and then the end result is to leave the church because of offense they take the bait and they don't want nobody to talk to them and then they get gun shy about getting attached anywhere else that's a fact sometimes god's word is tough but god's word is always always full of love we may not take it that way sometimes, but it's always love. God only knows. There was a book the men read. One, two, three. Book Courage. And it says God only knows tough love. Again, it pleased God to crush his son. Think about that. When you hear a sobering word from the Lord, don't take offense. 
Instead, look within yourself, examine yourself, and start asking different questions. Instead of saying, I know he's talking about me. I know I made it into his message. I know. <laughs> Instead of that, praise God. Say, God, what can I learn from this? How can I take this uncomfortable word and apply it in my life? What are you trying to break off of me? Do I need further humility? Do I need further rebuke? Do I need further correction? Listen, Lord. Listen, you know what? My wife and I, I'm going to say this, my love. My wife and I hear a lot of times stories of people that are going through, I'm talking about the most hell. And we see the tears and we want to hug and fix everything. But we don't have a magic wand. All we could do is pray and point you to the word. But we hear so many stories. And then when we're done and we're done with the prayer, we're done with everything, my wife and I go, God, we go, we go right in our kitchen. We go, God, I don't need that lesson. God, I'm serving you. I don't need, Lord, you don't need to break me like that. Hallelujah. I don't need it. I, I obey. I submit. You tell me to jump, I'll jump. You tell me to roll out. If you want me, this fat man, to do a cartwheel from here to there and it's going to please you, I'll do it. It won't look pretty, but I'll do it. Hallelujah. I'll do anything that you tell me to do. Please spare me. Spare my wife. Spare my children. Spare my loved ones. Spare them, Lord. Have mercy, oh God. You see, sometimes we're so hard-headed that God has to give us the ultimate lesson. I'd rather just obey. Hallelujah. I'd rather say, Lord God, it's uncomfortable, but I'm going to just do what you tell me hallelujah ask God how do I fix this I want to change I need to change I need to grow up I don't want to keep bouncing to church I love these people I don't want to go to another church I got so many friends here maybe I'm the problem maybe it's me it's me it's me it's me oh Lord standing in the need of prayer not my mother, not my father, not my sister, Lord. Standing, not Junebug, not Papa, not Tito, Lord. <laughs> Standing in the need of, right? Sometimes we got to look at ourselves. Am I part of the problem? How can I be part of the solution? Yeah. What do I need to do? How do I fix this, Lord? If we just did that, we'd be blessed. What are you trying to fix in me, Lord? Look at what Jesus said. Blessed is he, or she in this case, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. In other words, when God calls the man or the woman of God, someone that's been laboring in the word on your behalf to give a sobering, challenging word, stop tripping. That's the Ebonics version of stop being offended. Praise God. I love Brother Moises. Where's my armor bearer? Where are you, man of God? He's back there somewhere. You know, oftentimes we say this in the church before a message. We say, okay, guys, buckle up. We're going in, right? And that's a fair warning. This is going to be a rough one, right? But Brother Moises said, you know what, Pastor? Every time you say that, buckle up, we're going in. He goes, I don't buckle up. <laughs> I love it. He says, I don't buckle up. He says, Pastor, give it to me straight. <laughs> I want it all. And he spreads his arms out like he goes, nope. 
I refuse to buckle up. Take it. I'm going to take it like a man. Give it to me, pastor. Give it to me hardcore. Give it to me straight. That's a man of God. That's a man of God. That's why he could be in my foxhole any day of the week, any day, any night. Because he ain't going to be offended with a hardcore truth. And if he sees me doing something wrong, he's going to say, Pastor, because he's always with a smile. <laughs> Pastor, you know I love you, Pastor. You know I love you. You know what you said right there? <laughs> that wasn't right, Pastor. But you need to repent in the name of Jesus. But I love you, Pastor. That's my brother right there. You see, I need to roll with people like that. I need to roll with people that are going to get into my Kool-Aid and not be afraid to tell me, yo, bro, let's go. Pray with me if you have to. Praise God. Put some oil on me. I'm cool. I'm teachable. I'm very teachable. And I'm approachable. Praise God. So what do we do, saints of God? How do we manage the balancing act of truth and love without compromising the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Understand this. Romans 5.18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. The free gift of God's love. We know that Jesus came to die for the sins of mankind. Jesus didn't just die for the homosexual. He didn't just die for the alphabet people. This morning, we spoke of keeping the commandments through love. All of the commandments are summed up in this. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Many sins there that were spoken that we are commanded not to do. We talked about adultery, murder, stealing, lying, coveting, idolatry, right? Not taking God's name in vain. It's very easy for many of us Christians to point out the sins of some and not others, especially not ourselves. The truth is there's so much hypocrisy in the body of Christ because we put our sin in a category of acceptability and unacceptability. And if we fall within the confines of the acceptability, then our sins are just little sins. Little white sins, little, little blue sins, little pink sins. We start labeling them, putting color code. But this sin, oh, we can't be around this. This is, this is bad. This is no good. This is condemning you. It'll defile you. Hmm. Sin, the Bible says, is the death of us all. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalm 53.3, every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Uh, 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 Romans 3.10, 
It is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. We could turn to our neighbor and say, yeah, he's talking about me right now. Hallelujah. Definitely. Praise God. We're all in the same boat. We all need Jesus. This pastor needs Jesus. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. I need Jesus probably more than everybody here. Hallelujah. Because I'm under attack every single day of my life. Church of God, too many people are sound asleep in the sanctuary. Hallelujah. If somebody is sleeping next to you, say, wake up. Wake up. Hallelujah. It's time to awake out of our slumber. The word of God said it this morning. Our salvation is nearer than when it has ever been. Do you know that every single morning that you awake, you're one day closer to the coming of Christ. And he alone is going to shake the world. It's going to happen. With all the stuff, the redefinition of marriage, the abortions, coexisting, tolerance, all that stuff. Our nation has become a cesspool of sin. I said it last week. We've become Babylon. We're, we're Rome. We're imploding from within. I love this quote from John Hagee. And it said, if God doesn't judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Saints of God, we've got to cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. Hallelujah. Expose the darkness. Walk in the light. Walk in the spirit so that you would not gratify the lust of the flesh. Walk in love. Walk in truth as in the day, not as in the night. Put off the world and its lust. Make no provision for the flesh. Put on Christ. Abide in him and his light. People may not receive the light. That's fine. But don't compromise the light. Jesus never once softened the word to accommodate the people. He never put sugar on it. Hallelujah. And people were offended. His own disciples. Look at this. And this is not even ironic. John 6, 66 and 67. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? And thank God. Peter said, where else can we go? You have the words of truth. You are truth. Where else can we go? We don't know where to go. You're the one that we're following. We don't understand this. This is rough, yes, but we're not offended. We're going to stick around. Listen to this, John 3, 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Let me say this to you, church. Conviction is not the same as offense two different things offense you receive willingly you choose to be offended you take the bait conviction is when the holy spirit of god begins to work on your heart and convicts you of sin and for what reason to point you back to jesus christ that is the work of the ministry of the holy spirit of god john 16 8 and 9 and also john 16 13 and 14 
These are Jesus' words. He says, and when he has come, this is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. So many people hear the word of God and are convicted, but instead of receiving the conviction and surrendering, they leave offended. Verses 13 and 14, again, Jesus' words. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take care of what is mine and declare it unto you. God will only ever speak truth. And he will always allow the Spirit to convict us of that truth. He will not allow you to stray too far where the Holy Spirit can't reel you in or get you back on track. God knows that we are his ambassadors. He knows we have not been to heaven, but he expects us to represent heaven on earth. We need to be people that walk in truth and abide in truth and tell the truth, even if it hurts. Hallelujah. It's time to stop being so uh, 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 horrified and terrified of offending people. Amen. Praise God. I'll say an amen to myself. Hallelujah. It's time to tell people the truth. Hallelujah. Why should we wait until someone is dead? Why do we have to wait for someone to die to start reckoning with ourselves? Man, I don't know. Maybe I should have spoken to him. Maybe I should have said something. Maybe that day when the Holy Spirit woke me up to pray for them and I didn't pray, maybe that was on me. Right? How many of us have loved ones that we know their fruit is not godly? You may have a loved one, a brother, a spouse, a son, a daughter, a friend, a worker, somebody. The guy at, at Deli Mart, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, wherever. How many are willing to stand in the gap and say, man, I got a track for you, man. Jesus loves you. Please take this. Please read it. I love you, man. Call me. I put my number on there for you. Call me. I mean, it's simple. Even anybody can do that. But death should be a great sign that points people to truth. God means what he says. Don't wait till it's too late. People will say, well, my God is a good God. And he's not going to send anyone to hell. Well, maybe because you made a God that doesn't exist. The God that doesn't exist, yes, it's true. He's not going to send anybody to hell. But the God of Scripture, yeah, you can't be in his presence in sin, any sin. Because his presence is so pure, so holy, so powerful, that if you stand in front of him, it will evaporate. Boof. You need the blood of Jesus. This world doesn't want to change. And they say those things of, of only God can judge me. What they're really saying, when, when you hear people say that, only God can judge me, what they're really saying is, shut up so I could sin in peace. This world doesn't want to change. They want to remain in their sin. We talked about this last week, Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. David Wilkerson, the late David Wilkerson, he had a quote. It said, repentance is not a one-time act. It is a walk of holiness. Hallelujah. 
saints of God, the age of the casual Christian is over. We are at war. We must be real. Our faith, our walk, our, our witness should be credible and visible. How should the world know that we are in the faith if they see everything else outside of the faith? How will the world know that Jesus is real? How will you know that Jesus is real? Because grandma said so? Has grandma said that, that you're saved and so you believe you're saved? No. Ephesians 4. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, which is Christ. So saints of God, what is speaking the truth in love? Let's start out by what is it not? What isn't speaking the truth in love? Number one, not holding back part of the truth. Paul never held back the truth. Acts 20, 27, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Let me just say this, and we should repeat it out loud. A half-truth is a whole lie. Even if you think, because Christians, we're good at this. We tell pieces of the truth and think that we're telling the truth, but we hold out key parts. Guess what? You're lying. A half-truth is a whole lie. Speaking the truth is love. Glory to God. Number two, we cannot water down the word of God with this whole tolerance stuff that's going around. You know, I said it, I think, on Wednesday or maybe last week, but so oftentimes I get people telling me all the time, Pastor, please tone it down. Pastor, please be gentle. Stop being so firm. Don't rock the boat. Tone down your preaching. You don't have to be so harsh. Listen. I can't water it down. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how, if the word of God is plain and evident right in front, then it's got to be delivered just the way it's written. You know, people say, but you're hurting my feelings. Listen, if I'm hurting your feelings, I'm doing something wrong because I come here aiming to kill you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I want you to die. Hallelujah. I want you to die, death, hallelujah, kill you to the death so that you come alive in the spirit. We got to crucify this flesh. I'm trying to scare the hell out of you. I'm not trying to make you comfortable. Second Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now listen, it says convince rebuke and exhort other versions will say reproof rebuke and exhort that means twice the correction and once the pat on the back and it says with all long suffering and teaching that means being patient people will fail they will drop the ball but praise god we can get back up again hallelujah the third part of what not of what not to do is not to be so obscure with the meaning that the message is lost. I was talking earlier about the statement from Joel Osteen. And even now, T.D. Jakes, they've asked him a flat-out question about homosexuality. And he says, well, my position on this subject is evolving. 
like a man of God. He was on the cover of Time magazine. What do you mean your position is evolving? God doesn't change his spots. He doesn't change and shift his uh, uh, stuff. It's because the money, the money's coming in, and they know that once they say something that offends people, they lost half of the people or more. There's a word, circumlocution. Circumlocution. Cool word. It says it's an indirect way of saying something without getting to the point. It's convoluted, giving double signal, double meaning. You know, after an hour of speaking, have you ever spoken to somebody and after a whole hour you're like this? Have, has somebody ever left you like that? And like, and you're like. The disciples, they spoke in the open air. They didn't speak in a little room. They went out into the street and they spoke. They were crystal clear with their message. Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Like... Fruit Ninja. All right, that's corny. Hallelujah. But you understand, your word, when the word comes out, it cuts, it cuts. Double-edged sword. It cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Listen, if the word isn't cutting our heart, if it isn't piercing the flesh, then it's a watered-down word and it is of no effect. Amen. So how do we speak the truth in love? Let me give you some quick points. Number one, speaking the truth in love requires Holy Spirit boldness. Amen. Ephesians 6, 19, as for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and make it known the mystery of the gospel. Number two, speaking the truth in love means that in love necess necessitates the use of both positive positive. And the negative. Hallelujah. Sometimes all we want is positive. Live your best life now. And then we lose all the people once we say something negative. The Bible is loaded with what to do and what not to do. Larry Love read earlier, put on and put off. There are certain things that we're supposed to do. Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit so you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. We can't have one without the other. Number three, speaking the truth in love deals specifically with everything, with all that God has said. We cannot candy coat the word of God. There was a picture I saw and I loved it. It was a, a woman's face with lips and it had sugar all over the lips. It was lipstick with sugar. Some of you might have seen it. And it said sugar coating preaching is, uh, the, uh, can cause death or something to that effect. Sugar coated preaching kills. Uh, uh, sometimes we have so much sugar that nobody gets the message and they miss the whole point. James 1. 18, or excuse me, John 8.32 first. We got to understand that the truth sets people free. James 1.18, out of his own will he brought us up. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Uh, Acts 20.27, 20, truly love others is to deliver the whole counsel of God. We cannot 
uh, pick and choose or cherry pick. Amen? Sometimes God's word is corrective for instruction, but it is always for our good. Hebrews 12, 5. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So what can be expected by speaking the truth in love? There are some great positives. But number one, maturity. Ephesians 4.13, until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. Remember Brother AJ's message a couple weeks back. It said, obedience is true love. If we truly love God, we'll obey his word. Jesus said, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Amen. Our obedience speaks of love. Number two, you can expect that when you're speaking the truth in love, some people are going to be offended. Remember John 666, his disciples turned away and walked with him no more. You've got to be willing to say, listen, even if it hurts, I'm going to tell you because I love you. Glory to God. In conclusion, saints of God, we are in spiritual warfare. Whether you like it or not, once you came to Christ, you joined the army of the Lord. And you are supposed to be able to speak the truth in love. Grab the attention of this fallen world and, and be the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can no longer sit on the sidelines and refuse to speak to people about tough topics. We can't be politically correct. I love a line in the movie uh, uh, that our children, right, the, the Sound of Freedom. He says, our children are not for sale. You know, somebody's got to step up and say something. There was a movie that just, it, it broke me, man. I felt like crying so hard. I, and it was very difficult to control back my emotions. But he says... You know, they were in Colombia, and there were so many children there that were slaves in the sex trade. He says, this is the evil of our world. You could sell a kilo of cocaine one time. Listen, but you could sell a five-year-old boy ten times a day for ten years. How evil. How evil. This business is now superseding all of the major, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, all the sports combined doesn't generate as much money as the sex trade industry does. And the church and even our government is like this. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to see it. But there are people just, it's the worst type of slavery. We've got to call it out. I encourage you, go take people to see that movie. Buy extra tickets. The best thing we can do is bring awareness to this terrible evil. But God calls us to be a holy remnant, to struggle together for holiness, to be truthful in everything that we do. We all need Jesus. Let me remind you of something that's really scary when you hear this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Listen closely. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That means when we came to Christ, he removed all those evils out of our life. That means we're not supposed to walk in those things ever again. That means there has to be a change of behavior, a submission to the Lordship of Christ. And what happens is we get on our little high pedestal and we really beat up the alphabet community. It's true. But we forget about the other things like lying. Listen to this. Proverbs 12.22 Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. Revelations 21 verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, we always call the sin of homosexuality and all the other stuff, an abomination. But guess what? Liars too are an abomination. We're right at the same place. So we're no better than anyone else. I just offended 90% of the whole room. Let me give you an example. Bring. Oh, she's not here right now. Can I take a message? You just lied. You became an abomination in the sight of God. Christians. No, I'm telling the truth. Yeah, boom. See, God confirming. He don't like that. He don't like it. What is so hard about saying she's presently indisposed? She's currently unavailable. She cannot make it to the phone right now, but I will be happy to carry a message to her. What is so hard about that? And so often we take the path of least resistance. No, she's not here right now. Come on, saints of God, we got to do better. We've got to do better. We can't be insensitive to one group and forget about all the others, especially the stuff that we're involved in. Hallelujah. We've got to understand we're all in this walk together. We've been forgiven much, and so we have to be able to forgive much. Be patient with others because there were people that were patient with you. We are free. Hallelujah. The Bible says live. Shake it, Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, write this down. 1 Peter 2.16. Live as free, yet not lose, using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. 
We don't have to throw a Bible brick at people. I call it the Bible brick that people are so good at throwing stones. Remember the word says, take the plank out of your eye first. So then you can see clearly to help a brother with their little speck. We've got to be able to find the right balance of truth, of love, and of Holy Spirit boldness. We've got to be ready to know the word, to be ready in season and out of season. And to be strong enough and brave enough to love somebody, to not withhold the truth out of fear of offending them. I'm going to put a little video clip. I'm thanking you for your patience, but nobody wants to go out there anyway. Hallelujah. I'm going to show a video clip. And let me preface it, and then we'll close. Amen? How many know the comedian, the Las Vegas comedian, Penn Gillette? There's a group of two guys, uh, uh, Penn and Teller, right? Well, Penn Gillette is an outright known atheist. He'll tell you right from himself. He's an atheist. But he happened to have an interaction with someone who gave him a gift of a Bible. And I thought this, this little five-minute clip is one of the most incredible truths that came from an atheist, mind you. I'd like everybody to direct their attention to the screen, to this video. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks, and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, big guy, and. Um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, uh, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said... Um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. He was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you," and he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. 
and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. It's pretty sobering that that statement came from a bona fide atheist. How much do we have to hate somebody to not talk to them about what we believe? That should encourage every single person in this room that even if they get mad at you, say, I love you enough to tell you that Jesus loves you. He died for you. He gave himself for you. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be away for eternity. You don't have to experience the second death. May God teach us how to walk in the Spirit, speaking the truth in love, in boldness, with courage, but most importantly, not withholding the truth from those that need it most. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.